The ability to express emotion is the hallmark of a great actor. But the emotions you will be seeing in a moment from one of the five nominated best actors won't be acting. Trust me, I remember. And you probably all remember how wimpy I was too, so. The nominees are... Russell Crowe in The Insider. Richard Farnsworth in The Straight Story. Sean Penn in Sweet and Low Down. Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. Denzel Washington in The Hurricane. And the Oscar goes to... Hello there, cinephiles and know-it-alls, and welcome to Spro and Lee Take on the Academy, the only podcast that rights the wrongs, celebrates the slighted, and rips Oscars from undeserving hands before bestowing them at long last upon the worthier recipients. I'm Lee Charles. And I am Spro, and today, again, we have a very special Quickies guest. Her name is Emily. She hails from New York City. And uh, say hello, Emily, to our tens of listeners. <laughs> Hello. Nice to have you back. I was super jazzed after we did that one. This is number two. Hopefully we can squeak in number three before the third member of your family occurs. I mean, technically with the cats, it's the fifth member of our family. I was going to say, don't rule out the cats. The cats are special people. They're, you know, they're getting us warmed up and stuff. Okay, the third um, human member of your family. <laughs> that's it. Don't have to put a label on things. <laughs> Today we bring you a second in a three-part series where we attack past Oscar winners whose criminal backgrounds, alleged or otherwise, could tarnish even the 24-karat gold casing on the Oscars that they are unfit to hold. Today, we're going to snatch the gold from Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. This is Kevin Spacey's second Academy Award. He won an Oscar in 1995 for a supporting role in The Usual Suspects. Kevin Spacey, America's fallen darling, whose once playful and endearing persona now feels about as disfigured as his face looked in Pay It Forward. Spacey may have presented himself as the vulnerable and benign verbal kint, but in reality he was a butthole. This is the highlight of my day. I hope it is not all downhill from here. And this particular butthole has two acting Oscars, but we're only going to be focusing on one today. And that is his best actor winning performance as Lester Burnham in 1999's American Beauty, directed by Sam Mendes and written by Alan Ball. To my friends for pointing out my worst qualities, I know you do it because you love me. And that's why I love playing Lester. Because we got to see all of his worst qualities and we still grew to love him. And this movie to me is all about how any single act from any single person put out of context is damnable. But the joy of this movie is that it is real beauty. Welcome to A Quickie with Kevin. 
And before we begin, I want to go over what his crime allegedly was. And either of you, if you guys have anything to throw in, please do so. Just off rip, I would say since somewhere around 2004, 5, 6-ish, I have increasingly felt alienated from other people when talking about movies because I found him to be not necessarily off-putting, but a bit overrated. He's one of those actors where it's not just his talent, but his charisma that Mm. really endears him to you. Whereas I might be like, yeah, okay, it's a little much right now. What people are loving about Kevin Spacey is not just his talent, but his charisma and what he was bringing to everything, not even necessarily the performance. I think it's, you almost, oh my gosh, and this is completely counterintuitive, but like you felt like you could trust his performance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was just talking to recently about the movie Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman. And it's not like Dustin Hoffman really explores characters, but his line delivery is so good that you could sit back in a movie theater and just let Dustin Hoffman read his lines to you in his Dustin Hoffman-y way. And you're like, this is great. I can, mm-hmm. I'm can, i into this. And I think Kevin Spacey with his same way, classically trained, his line yeah, delivery was just so kind of perfect that you were like, all right, I get this. I get this character. I understand that I'm watching Kevin Spacey play it, but in the same instance... I don't care that he's not going completely, he's not doing the Daniel Day-Lewis method of creating something completely different on screen than what he normally is. I would have liked to have seen him on stage. I feel like that might have made me feel differently. Uh, I loved House of Cards like, you know, most of America, but his uh, Southern... uh... I've always loathed the necessity of sleep. Like death, it puts even the most powerful men on their backs. It was so derivative and it was a great show and he was terrifying in it, but he just sounded like it's the same, it's the same way I feel about Daniel Craig and Knives Out. Just, it's just like, you, I was just going to bring this up. Can, can you pick out like an actor who has done a Southern drawl in his performance that you did not think was uh, uh, Je- overdone Jeff, or trite? Jeff Bridges in True Grit. Some hogs rooting around. They might have moved them. I do not remember. Got another? Uh, well, that was the first one that came to mind. The young Scottish lady who also played the film uh, from uh, Ravenclaw from Harry Potter. <laughs> Euphigenia Ravenclaw. Kelly McDonald. That's her name. Kelly McDonald. No Country for Old Men. That's a Scottish woman doing an absolutely perfect Texan accent. Well, I don't know. You don't need any trouble from you. I always like when Kevin Costner does the accent. (laughs) There is something to be said for the certain actors that you feel taken care of. Like they begin to speak and you are immediately sort of at ease. They hold the space well. And some actors that don't and um, uh, by design because it makes you unnerved. And you're not really sure where they're going to go with this. And I think Spacey is one of those one of those actors who just the space is held. He starts going and you're like, yep, I'm in. What are we doing? Where are we going? Fair, fair enough. So like when you say he's engaging, yeah, whether he's being endearing or whether he's being unpredictable, he was he was engaging and that was charismatic. I can see that. And it's very it's like an older generational thing. I don't know if I can come up with an actor name that can do the same thing that is maybe younger than us. Because I like, I think like Dustin Hoffman. I think Kevin Spacey. I think Gene Hackman. Um, Marlon Brando Sam, was also really good. I was going to say Sam Rockwell does that pretty well. Meryl Streep, you know, like to to break down like the actresses, Helen Mirren, younger than yeah. Us. But who's who's younger? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Like younger than us, who's like a powerhouse? That's so depressing <laughs> that I can't think of anyone. Because you know it's not I, like we're that young. You know, who, like, <laughs> you know who I think is has the potential to pop and hasn't yet is Zac Efron. Oh, you're waiting for his turn. He's got to make better choices. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Did you see, have you ever seen any of the like indie stuff that he does? Yeah. Me and Orson or Orson and me. Did you see Lee Daniels, the paper boy? You know what? I will throw out the name of Shia LaBeouf because I really like his presence on screen. I'm going to throw that out there. He's goofy. Oh, I like him. Is is he younger than us? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple years, probably. I would say he's There's like a early, Hollywood roundtable. It's Adam Sandler, Robert De Niro, Adam Driver, um, Jamie Foxx. Shia LaBeouf and Tom Hanks and they're all sitting around a table and Shia and Adam Sandler are just kind of like sitting there nervous to speak because they both like feel completely out of place with like Robert De Niro and Tom Hanks right there. And Adam Sandler, of course, is like, I don't I don't even I don't even think I belong at this table. And Shia is like (laughs) Shia, probably the loudest he's ever been is like, bullshit, you belong here. You're amazing. And it's like, he's 34. And you know who's younger than us two is who would Yaya Abdul Mateen the second most recently in Watchmen played a, a cow in Watchmen. Um, oh, the TV I show. Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen. I haven't seen that yet. <clears throat> oh come on! I, he was also in the Get Down. He was awesome, awesome guy and wildly talented. All right. Well, getting back to Kevin Spacey and what made him an asshole is the <laughs> on October 29th, 2017, actor Anthony Rapp alleged that Spacey while appearing intoxicated, made a sexual advance toward him back in 1986 when Rap was 14 and Kevin Spacey was 26. Rap told BuzzFeed News in a story that posted online that the two met in 1986 when both were appearing in Broadway shows. One night, Spacey invited Rap to his apartment for a party. Later, Rap says, he found himself bored and watching TV in Spacey's bedroom when he realized that he was the only one left in the apartment with the actor. Spacey appeared, sort of stood in the doorway, according to Rap, kind of swaying. Rap's impression of Spacey when he came into the room was that Spacey was drunk, and Rap claimed that Spacey picked him up like a groom picks up the bride over the threshold and laid him down onto the bed, tightening his grip. Rap was was able to get away after some time. Rap feels like Spacey was trying to seduce him, so he ran into the bathroom and closed the door. Later, when he was trying to leave, Kevin Spacey asked, are you sure you want to go? Rap said yes, good night, and left. After the revelation, Spacey stated through Twitter that he did not remember the encounter, but that he owed Rap the sincerest apology for what would have been deeply inappropriate drunken behavior if he had behaved as asserted. Now, after this, Rap stated that he knew for a fact several people in my own circle who had had experiences with Kevin Spacey, that it was like that was when the penny dropped and I had to do something. It wasn't about my own experience. It was really about airing out my own laundry. I thought that would be the only way that we could stop him. After 15 others then came forward alleging similar abuse, including Boston anchorwoman Heather Unruh, who alleged that Spacey sexually assaulted her son, filmmaker Tony Montana, actor Robert Cavazos, Richard Dreyfuss's son Harry, and eight people who worked on House of Cards. The Guardian was contacted by, quote, a number of people, end quote, who alleged that Spacey groped and behaved in an inappropriate way with young men while he was artistic director of the old Vic. And that's really something to be said, actually, the outside of the power dynamic that you hold as a celebrity, holding the power as an artistic director as well in a theater 
where you have people coming in from from everywhere. And even years ago, as a bartender working in theater in New York, before any of this came out, I had a general knowledge that Kevin Spacey was a creep. Never, never working with him. But I can remember being, you know, sitting at a bar with a group of of friends of actors. And one of them was talking about how he just got a job and was going to be working with with Kevin Spacey. And someone said, you know, to watch your ass, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so someone said, you know, what does that mean? He said, well, just don't be in a room alone with him. Like it was that common knowledge and sort of an open secret that Kevin Spacey, one, was gay, but two, much more important to this is that he was somewhat dangerous or at least took advantage of his power, um, especially with younger guys. This episode is hard, not hard for me because I view rape as the number one crime deserving capital punishment personally, but it's hard for me because Kevin Spacey was always my go-to as my favorite actor. Since like 96 on, I would say Kevin Spacey was my favorite. My favorite movie was Seven, which he appears in at the end. And so when this came out, this was it. You know, I remember cheering when he won for The Usual Suspects. And that's when I had my love affair with the Academy Awards. My film-centric life revolves around liking Kevin Spacey as an actor. And to hear that he's a piece of shit just sent me on my own soul search. And it wasn't like it was completely unbelievable when it came out. Yeah, no, this was definitely around the time as the Me Too revelation was really happening. And I do call it a revelation as far as Me Too goes, because I don't think it was a, oh, there were some bad people out there. It was really a revolution, a revelation for mostly the entertainment industry, but then eventually everyone of the sexism, the underlying issues and power issues that we have in just our, our everyday lives. And so as this revelation is happening in more more people who are predators ha- were getting more and more revealed. You know, it was that that joke of like, oh, oh please not, please not this person. Please not Tom Hanks. Yeah. Please don't be Tom Hanks. <laughs> and Kevin Spacey was one of those ones where it was like, oh, shit. I've met Anthony Rapp no less than three times since 2014, I would say. And the man himself is so humble and so kind and not he didn't want the spotlight at all. And I think with Kevin Spacey, it was just almost everybody that came out. And I haven't sifted through all of the accusations, but you have drivers who claim that they were driving him and or alleged that they were driving him and he reached over and grabbed their crotch. There was the we talked about the anchor woman whose son said that he was sexually assaulted by Spacey and he was actually texting during the assault to his girlfriend saying like, what do I do? How do I get out of this? Everything coming down on Spacey, even though he hasn't been convicted of anything, the allegations seem absolutely legit, which is why this is our second episode. Moreover, the the videos. (laughs) I know what you want. Oh, sure. They may have tried to separate us, but what we have is too strong. It's too powerful. I mean, after all, we shared everything, you and I. I told you my deepest, darkest secrets. I showed you exactly what people are capable of. I shocked you with my honesty, but mostly I challenged you and made you think. And you trusted me, even though you knew you shouldn't. The YouTube videos that he has released, both around Christmas time, I've watched them so quizzically, trying to perceive what he is 
attempting to communicate and all I can see is self-delusion or arrogance or oh yeah or just somebody who has completely lost their fucking mind i had forgotten about those videos and i remember seeing you know on twitter kevin spacey had released some video and my partner and i sitting there watching it just like what the fuck is he doing and why yeah how do you think this helps do you think you're gonna lull us back somehow because we're like oh look at his like yeah we do miss him why there has to be such a break in reality when you do these horrible things to someone you know there has to be a break there's gotta be no empathy you know like if you're just going to touch people inappropriately push yourself on them be a bastard it's not thinking rationally like you or i so and he's now cut off from society i was going to get into it at the end of the show but he's been dropped by pretty much anybody that was in his life he's been dropped by publicists by agents by netflix like everybody immediately what kind of proved the case before the case ever reached court was that everybody in hollywood dropped him as soon as they could as soon as the allegation came out from rap netflix you know cut ties he was recast in ridley scott's all the money in the world by christopher Plummer which was just an amazing undertaking that everybody kind of went back to that, (laughs) to the studio to remake the film because they wanted Kevin Spacey gone and they inserted Christopher Plummer. Yeah. And you know, there is a spectrum with these, the events and the, the outing of certain people with me too, you know, there is definitely a spectrum and some people, you know, I can't speak to what goes on in their mind. I can't speak to what it was that made them feel that certain things were okay. I can't, you know, say that there's a there's a complete lack of empathy or that someone is a monster when they are doing something like that. I think that there is an illness involved here. Sorry. This is a completely this so for me and this is why a lot of LGBTQIA activists were really angry that Spacey sort of used the these allegations to be like, "Yeah, I'm gay and this is about me being gay." When it's like, "No, no, no. This has nothing to do with your sexuality. This has nothing to do with your sexual orientation because yeah. it doesn't matter who it is or that you are attracted to you have abused your power and you have assaulted people and underage people well regardless he's a bastard (laughs) right and also let's not pretend that he was suppressed like he couldn't have relationships there are plenty of people that don't have public aren't public about their sexuality so what they're going to find out is that we pretty much all picked the same actor i think do you know if you're not no i'm still because I have like 12 actors that could be in the running. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. All right. That I threw I'm out interested. there. So actors that weren't even nominated, right? But I think did a pretty good job in their movies. I just want to kind of get your take on them and what you think. Could they be in the top five? Could they at least be nominated, right? All right. So this is, we're doing the year of 1999. And in that year, we got our man, Tom Hanks in The Green Mile. What do you think about that performance? John Cotton. Electricity shall now be passed through your body until you are dead in accordance with state law. May God have mercy on your soul. Okay, I did love the, I I mean, I did love The Green Mile. I don't know if it's up there enough for for best actor though like we were saying like it's kind of a vehicle of his where he just he plays the nice prison guard doesn't really go completely off script but it was mm-hmm. worth mentioning mm-hmm. i think but he wasn't there wasn't a lot of stretch or work there it felt like very believable hard to pee 
Burns the pee. I don't want prostate cancer because of that Mm -hmm. movie. Kind of similar vein, Steve Martin in Bowfinger. Oh, come on. There must be a lot of guys who look like Kit. We'll round up some lookalikes just for the long shots. We'll shoot from behind and not show his face. And look, Kit has shown his ass in eight of his last ten films, and eight of his last ten films have been hits, so we need a guy with a fabulous ass. And mine is the wrong color. You don't like Bowfinger? That's not your movie? It's more Steve Martin's performance in that going for best actor. Come on. Well, I like I it. It's kind of like a hail. It's like a hail Mary to the comedic performance. That's um, fair. That's fair. I'm starting light. I'm going to get more serious as these picks go on, but I just want to throw out fair. these. Actors. Jeff Bridges, Arlington Road. Now that one I downvote. How about Matthew Broderick for election? I didn't even put it in. I didn't like that oh, movie. What? You've been wrong. You've been wrong before. Yeah. You didn't no, like I'm, election? I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, but one person assured of victory kind of uh, undermines the whole idea of democracy, don't you think? But Mr. M... I mean, that'd be more like a a dictatorship, like we studied. But Mr. M, there's... Paul, what's your favorite fruit? Pears. Pears, good. Okay, let's say... Oh, no, wait. Apples. Apples, fine. Let's say all you ever knew were apples. Apples, apples... More apples. You might think apples were pretty good, even if you got a rotten one once in a while. But then one day, there's an orange. And now you can make a decision. Do you want an apple, or do you want an orange? That's democracy. I also like bananas. Exactly. Why? Dark comedies are hit or miss in general, but for me, they were, and it just, it kind of just dragged for me. Like, I think I liked the first hour, and then after the first hour, after, you know, he starts fantasizing about her sexually and everything while he's having sex with his wife, I think, like, I was kind of like, all right, I just, I'm not into it anymore. It's the same thing with the new show out right now with with What's-His-Face from Dear Evan Hansen, called The Politician on Netflix. I just, I can't get into, maybe it's just high school politics. Like I don't care about high school politics. Oddly, I just started season two of The Politician last night and I cared more when they were in high school. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't hate on Bette Midler being in there. So I'm like, oh, I'm in. I'll definitely watch the season. The trailer made it look really cool. And I was like, maybe I should give this another go. And maybe I will when I run out of all the other shows that are on my queue, but... No, it just wasn't for me. John Cusack from Being John Malkovich. Yeah, I don't think he was the best thing about that movie. Toby Maguire, Cider House Rules. So you like movies? Yes. I've seen only one, though. You've seen only one? Which one? Uh, King Kong. It's really good. <laughs> Noby Maguire. I hate him. <laughs> Why? What? He's dog shit. Oh You're my gosh. Such an Fucking... asshole. Oh, all right. All right. Well, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk Emily language here. Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire had their little pussy pact. Have you heard of that or whatever it was? No. Pussy. Oh yeah. Look up Tobey Maguire slash Leonardo DiCaprio. They had like a pussy club where they just tried to fuck as many girls as they possibly could. I'm gonna put and on at least my incognito Di- browser for this one. <laughs> at least, Di- <laughs> at least DiCaprio is like came out talented. And you know what? Oh, he's the I best can't goddamn. I can't. That's not saying much. <laughs> no way. Tom Holland. No, Tom Holland's shit is all Marvel related. That's not Spider-Man. That's a Marvel movie. Standing on its own, I think the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie. Live action Spider-Man movie. Right on. What did we find out about the pussy pact? 
So there was a, a pussy posse. Pussy posse, that's it. <laughs> I mean, as a poet, I really like that alliteration. <laughs> young actors spend years spraying champagne in nightclubs and betting models. I mean, it's young kid dumb shit. Like they didn't, nobody's me too'd them yet, but. I was going to say, I'm like, did they, was there, I mean, don't get me wrong. A bunch of young male actors just going out to clubs and acting like idiots. It's But if it's so, all consensual, it's all. Yeah. It's kind of where I'm at. This is my last Hail Mary actor of uh, Robin Williams in Bicentennial Man. Sexual relations. Yeah. <sighs> oh, I've always been fascinated by that. Well, I mean, curious, because, well, because of what, what they say. What do they say? That you can lose yourself. Everything, all boundaries, all time. The two bodies can become so mixed up that you don't know who's who or what's what. And just when the sweet confusion is so intense you think you're going to die, they kind of do. Leaving you alone in your separate body. But the one you love is still there. That's the miracle. You can go to heaven and come back alive. Go back. Anytime you want. The one you love. And you want to experience that? Oh, yes, please. That is a Hail Mary if I ever heard one. <laughs> All right, here, are, here are five non-nominated performances that I would I would take a look at if I was part of the committee. Uh, and this one I know is going to be shot down because we've already poo-pooed him in the last episode. But Matt Damon, talented Mr. Ripley. Okay. Oh. I'm going to guess that you've got Pitt on there for Fight Club. Nope. Really? Ooh. What? Look at you, unpredictable. Oh, yeah. Well, um, kind of. Edward Norton for fuck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> Pitt would have been a supporting actor. Yeah, no, he's right. He's right. Okay. All right. How about, uh, do you have Cruz for Eyes Wide Shut on there? I do not. Uh, that would have been one I would have considered. I would say that between that, Magnolia, I think those are a couple of his best performances. The password for the house. Yes. I'm sorry, I... I... I seem to have... forgotten it. Uh, oh, Magnolia was 99? Yeah, he was yeah, he nominated for that. Mm, that's right, that's right. Oh, guys, Deep Blue Sea was in 99, I'm seeing now. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? I have the mylar of that film in my basement. The, I got Al Pacino from Any Given Sunday. Your goddamn quarterback! Which is just a Pacino performance. I have Bruce Willis from The Sixth Sense. I see dead people. In your dreams? While you're awake? Dead people like in graves and coffins which would be the only time Bruce Willis would probably get a look and then well, uh but he gives that same subdued uh male lead that M Night's movies have mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. he gives that same kind of 
performance in Unbreakable. Mm -hmm. And I think he does it better in, I think Unbreakable is a better movie personally than Sixth Sense, but I could, I could get, I could get behind Sixth Sense as a actor nod for Bruce. And then the final one is Jim Carrey, Man on the Moon. Holy shit. That was 1999? whoop de doo whoop de die stick a needle in your eye. Let's get some straight, people. I play a lot of the big showrooms in Vegas. I need this place like I need a shotgun blast to the face. Now let's go down and meet some of the audience. All right. Hey, how y'all doing? Where are you from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa! Somebody's wearing a lot of perfume around here. Must be that time of the month. Huh? Yeah, I know all the tricks. Now, how you doing? You having a, uh, you enjoying that pasta carbonara? Appears as if you are. Whoop, hey, look out. I think you're sat in some cottage cheese. Oh, pardon me, that's your ass. Okay. I'm looking at a book here called Best Movie Year Ever that my goodly wife bought me for uh, Christmas. And it's all about movies from 99. Dude, I gotta say, his Man on the Moon was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Did you you ever watch that documentary where it's like, talks about how difficult he was to be around during the shooting of that movie? Like, he made Milos Forman like... Made Milos Forman like cry and beg and plead with him, like, please stop. <laughs> not not for nothing. It was a great performance. It was a great performance. Did you think he was overacting in that? <laughs> um Lee. <laughs> Did you think it was forced? <laughs> I believe I believe desperate. desperate was the word that I <laughs> desperate. used. Desperate. Desperate. Uh, no. no, I think I think he was very good. I'm not like super up on bio movies. That's one of the better ones for sure. Oh yeah. Um, so those are our non-nominateds, and then getting into the nominated performances, Philip Seymour Hoffman was looked at for flawless as Rusty. Well, I've been in musicals at school ever since I was a little kid. You know, I was uh, Prince Jalongkorn in The King and I, <laughs> but I was miscast. Um, then I was the Lion in The Wizard of Oz, but I was definitely miscast. But I was the only one that. Um, you know, bad enough to fit into the costume, whatever. And then in The Snow Queen, where I was again totally miscast as the king, we were all on stage, and they had made these dry ice kettles so they could smoke come out of them, you know? And uh, one night, all of a sudden, one dry ice kettle exploded, and uh, dry ice flew everywhere, right? Well, uh, pretty little Miss No Talent, who was playing the Snow Queen, you know, dashed off the stage screaming and pulling her hair out. Well, the play must go on, I believe. And she had dropped a crown. Well, honey, I just picked up that crown, (laughs) put it on my head, and I was the greatest goddamn snow queen in the history of PS11 Paramus, New Jersey. And uh, I have been wearing dresses ever since. I'm going to take some crap for this one and I'm okay with it. I think that Philip Seymour Hoffman was also oh overrated. Don't say it. Don't say it. I do. I mean, I'm going to say it. I'm not saying he's bad, um, but like most of the roles that people remember him for, apart from Capote, which was his, was that his one and only Oscar, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Apart from Capote, all the other roles he plays, anger is really the only, <laughs> it's like the only emotion that, He's really good at conveying. What? Oh God! What? I don't know. Are That's you how talking 
talking about. That's how I feel. Oh, dude. Dude, you literally made me put like my tongue between my teeth and bite down as hard as I could. I know. I I just had such tension in my body as you were saying saying it. I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't think he is as great as everyone, especially posthumously, kind of came around and was like, oh, we lost a great. I don't think oh. it was posthumously. I think I like I we gave him either. his just due during his life. Yeah, yeah. Hell, and also, I'm trying to think of what roles that just he all he did was exude anger. Like if we're if we're going through it, like Magnolia, um, Buggy Nights. Um, Definitely not just filled with anger the whole time. It's not the only thing that he was giving out there. I um, guess I forgot that one. Cameron like, Crow. Not a fan of Boogie Nights. I was thinking of The Master. I was thinking of Ides of March. I was thinking of Charlie Wilson's War. I was thinking of Punch Drunk Love. I was thinking of... So you weren't thinking of like Twister and Along Came Polly and... and <laughs> well, Along Came Polly, he is the best part about that movie. But he is terrible in Twister. He it is was terrible. Twister. Are you kidding me? He's Why terrible are we even talking about his movie. performance in Twister? And also, no, he's not. He's actually yeah. delightful. No, he's fucking annoying. Oh, and I, he's God. supposed to be annoying. I don't even know what to do with you right now. That is who's your favorite is... actor? Who's your favorite actor? Um, going back to my childhood, it would have been I would have answered that Paul Newman and or Jack Nicholson. I don't think you like men to show emotions. <laughs> Maybe. I'm just going to dive right into it. <laughs> like, Maybe. I think if you spoke with my wife, she would she would disagree with you. I don't have the wherewithal to defend myself against both of you simultaneously, <laughs> but I think I cry more at movies than my wife does. And I'm I not have talking after- about you. I'm talking about what you watch. Oh, well, I cry when men emote in movies. I cried this morning watching The Straight Story multiple times. I'm not afraid of male sensitivity whatsoever. I'm just I'm just pointing out a theme here of like you don't like Matt Damon crying loud. You don't like Philip Seymour Hoffman showing anger. Well, it's one note. That's all I'm saying. It's just a little one note. All right, all right, fair, fair. Every time I picture Philip Seymour Hoffman, I picture him with one hand on one hip and pointing with the other hand and being loud and acerbic. (laughs) That's that's how I picture him. I've been with the company for 24 years. I was posted in Greece for 15. Papandreou wins that election if I don't help the junta take him prisoner. I've advised and armed the Hellenic army. I've neutralized champions of communism. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish, which should come in handy here in Virginia, and I'm never ever sick at sea. So I want to know why I'm not going to be your Helsinki station chief. Your course. Excuse me. See, yeah, I, no, I mean, I, like, I said it was going to ruffle some feathers when I brought it like up. Like Lebowski, like... He's a character actor. He's a very yeah. good character actor. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just got to uh, I'm just going to go with, uh, I disagree. That's fine. <laughs> All right, moving on to uh, Rafe Fiennes of The End of the Affair as Maurice Bendrix. Why were you holding his collar? What? What? That boy, that little boy... You were holding his collar. You were gripping his collar. What for? Is he next? You're going to drag him into your little room. Where is it? Is this it? Don't do this. I've watched you. I've watched you at garden parties, on verandas, at the races. How can you stand there? How can you ever smile as if your life had capsized? You know why? Dance with me. No. Dance with me. 
I want to touch you. I want the things which are mine, which belong to me. I like that movie. Uh, do you like his I performance? I do. I do. That's, I believe, directed by the same The Crying Game. No, that couldn't be right either. It's not Neil Jordan. I got to look it up now. It's going to drive me crazy. Sorry. <laughs> almost Famous. Think about him in Almost Famous. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's one of my favorite roles of his. It is Neil Jordan. I was right. It is Neil Jordan. That's a good movie. It's a sad movie. Can we just take a moment for how white 1999 was too? Like thinking like everyone that we're coming up, we've got like Denzel and that's it. So let's get into the five of the Academy Awards. We're taking it away from Kevin Spacey. I would say number four is Sean Penn's performance, Sweet in the Lowdown. I'm a little short this week. I'd give you a cab fare, but I don't assume it's a long walk home. First time I had sex, seven years old. The guitar. Right, well, that's why we came up here. All right, you get dressed. I'm exhausted. What's your favorite song? Look who I'm asking. But this is where I stop really liking Sean Penn. Um, I don't know. <laughs> really? You didn't like Milk? Milk is probably one of his best performances, if not his best. You don't see that, like, psychotic, angry Sean Penn, not to get back on that. Uh, I, but... I would actually totally agree with you on that. I loved his performance in Milk. Yeah, it's a good flick. I just, it wasn't until The Thin Red Line that I realized how much I miss young Sean Penn and how much I don't really like old Sean Penn. Like, pretty much, um, I am Sam is where I was like, nah, I don't like you anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Sweet and Lowdown was uh, Woody Allen, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. No it's about shit. some It's about some like guitarist that I, I never saw it, unfortunately. There's only so many hours in the day and I have eating to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mockumentary film. Right. I did see some of it. My brother owned it, actually. I started watching it and then I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Then we would get into, I would say, Russell Crowe, The Insider. You manipulated me into this. That's bullshit, Jeff. You greased the rails. I greased the rails for a guy who wanted to say yes. I helped him to say yes, that's all. You're not a robot, Jeff. Right? You got a mind of your own, don't you? Up to you, Jeffrey. That's the power you have, Jeffrey. Vital insider information the American public need to know. Lowell Bergman, the hotshot who never met a source he couldn't turn around. I fought for you and I still fight for you. You fought for me? You manipulated me. Into where I am now. Staring at the Brown and Williamson building. It's all dark except the 10th floor. That's the legal department. That's where they fuck with my life. That's my favorite Russell Crowe performance. He went Insider, Gladiator, Beautiful Mind. And I think I think Gladiator is a lot of fun to watch, but I think it's, I mean, I love Ridley Scott. It got way too much praise. And I think Beautiful Mind is better than, than Gladiator, but The Insider, I don't even know, what the hell would you call these movies? Like press movies, like, like Spotlight or like Zodiac or uh, All the President's Men. It's one of the, it's one of the best. I just rewatched it last couple of months and Crow is so good in that movie. A Beautiful Mind is my favorite performance of his. I, but I also do agree. I think Gladiator is horribly overrated. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Although it is very fun to it's fun to watch and it's fun to make fun of. Um, a Beautiful Mind is what has sat with me the most, I think, as far as performance and and script. So, Emily, your take on Russell Crowe's The Insider? <sighs> I'm not going to lie. I don't even remember it. The last one is Richard Farnsworth from The Straight Story as Alvin Strait. Thanks to you boys, I'm going to get this rig back on the road. I've drove it all the way across Iowa, way, and I'm hoping it holds on till I get to Wisconsin. My brother lives there. 
I haven't seen them in 10 years. There's no one knows your life better than a brother that's near your age. He knows who you are and what you are better than anyone on earth. My brother and I said some unforgivable things the last time we met, but I'm trying to put that behind me. And this trip is a hard swallow of my pride. I just hope I'm not too late. I'm just going to say this is a bizarre-ass movie for me. The fact that it's a rated G David Lynch film, Walt, immediately Walt I was Disney. like, what? Yeah, it's like, what? And then I watch it and it is, as as you said, very normal for a David Lynch film. Yeah, I, I thought the performance was, was lovely. It was very emotional. It's really tough for me to separate what happened with this actor and watching this film. I have quite a soft spot. Maybe it's the extra um, hormones right now, but I've got a crazy soft spot for uh, Richard Farnsworth in the in this. When we decided to do this episode, it was a no-brainer for me that it was going to be Denzel. And I can talk about why in a minute, but I watched Straight Story for the first time this morning. And having been very close roommates and friends with somebody that was a huge David Lynch fan, this was actually one he didn't own. But he always recommended me highly and watched it this morning. And then I hit play again when it was done and started watching it a second time. This was Farnsworth's final performance. Farnsworth was a stuntman prior to being an actor. He doubled for Kirk Douglas in Spartacus. Um, He doubled for Roy Rogers. He doubled for Henry Fonda, uh, Steve McQueen, among others. And he got into the business by chance. He dropped out of school very young during the Depression. And he was working as like a ranch hand and he was approached at the age, he lived in LA and he was approached at the age of 15 because he could ride horses. And they were like, hey, you want to be in the movies? He was like, sure. Interesting. He said that his, or his favorite career accomplishment was having never said, never uttered a swear word on screen. Although he does say what the hell in straight story, but I don't know if we can count that necessarily. Maybe he doesn't Still count Still rated that. G. <laughs> Still rated G. Yeah. There's a dam and a hell in there. Might be two hells in a dam. I was blown away by this movie. It's it's right up my alley because it moves slow and it pays off. Everything about it pays off. And Sissy Spacek also. Oh. Uh, just fa- I mean everybody, did you notice the two mechanics too that fix what, what? his that fix his lawnmower? Those were Chris Farley's brothers. No shit. Yep, yep. I mean they shot it in Wisconsin, which I believe is where he was from. So that's 1999 as far as male leads go. Did any of those scream out to pick me, pick me to you, Emily? I was originally, uh, honestly, I was originally going with Denzel as well. But Richard Farnsworth did did have a really good showing now that I like watch the movie and know his story. Because the other thing is that Richard Farnsworth was also very sick when he made the movie. Apparently he was in a lot of pain. October 7th, I believe, he died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound at the age of 80. Took the old and bullet train out of town. Yeah, yeah. You could also put it like that. But yeah, they, uh, they had said, you know, he was very ill in the movie. Phenomenally, he made it through. He didn't want the world to know he was sick. He couldn't fight it. And cancer got him is what Van Valen said about fiance. So, you know, there is something to be said for this was this was his last hurrah of doing uh, doing this movie. He was very sick and and soon after died by suicide. Here's a question for you. And because I was thinking about this as he moves along his journey, he dispenses wisdom. 
I can't think of one scene where the people that he meets doesn't get something to take away. And the only time that he's really at a complete loss for how to handle the situation is the final scene when he sits down with his brother. It's, it's so great. What a great ending that it ends there. Did you ride that thing all the way out here to see me? I did, Lyle. I was sitting there thinking, like, the first two groups of people, well, the first person he meets is that pregnant girl that is kind of, like, running away because she's afraid her parents are going to hate her. Second group of people that he, he falls in with is, like, a group of maybe, like, 20-somethings. And then the third group of people is, like, adults roughly our age, maybe within 10, 10 years older-ish. I think as an 18-year-old, when this came out, I probably would have... I would have enjoyed this, but I think it would have gone in one ear and out the other. Sure. But it, but as a 38-year-old with 20 more years gone, it made more of an impact. Is that, you agree with that? You think that you felt might have felt the same? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He, he talks about alcoholism, which, you know, Christ alive, man. As uh, Scott Glenn says, encouraged under fire. Christ, we all drink too much. Pride, fear, and and just a, what a display of determination that he shows, all fueled by a desire to make peace with this brother that he's become estranged from. In spite of the fact that I'm still going with Denzel, I think he might have been the most perfectly cast actor, and he wasn't even working anymore. He came out of like a pseudo-retirement to be in this movie, and despite the fact that he was terminal with prostate cancer, he asked his agent to go out, find him more scripts. His agent had found one that he was going to be in with Charlton Heston where they were going to play World War II vets. And they were actually like ready to ink a deal on it when, as you said, I mean, he woke up one day and was just like, this is too much pain. His performance in this movie is it's, it's about as human as I can stand. And I, don't, I think that's probably the highest compliment that I can <laughs> that's give. It's a, a really nice way to put that. All of them. I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff. Like I can think of him in The Getaway. I can think of him in Misery. I believe he was in the sequel to Chinatown, The Two Jakes. He was a bad guy in that. But he's always the same, very even voice. He never raises his voice, but his, his face it's so emotive. You look at his eyes and it's he's doing so much acting, nonverbal communication that it's 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 stunning. I was I was blown away. And I mean I'm I'm all over this movie's balls, but that's just because I just watched it this morning. <laughs> so but I was I mean, I was sitting here with the sun coming up, shedding some salt water. So Emily, are you getting off the train here with Richard Farnsworth? No, no, no. It's Denzel. It's the hurricane. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get into Denzel Washington's The Hurricane. When I started writing, I discovered that I was doing more than just telling a story. See, writing is a weapon. And it's more powerful than a fist can ever be. Every time I sat down to write, I could rise above the walls of this prison. I could look out over the walls all across the state of New Jersey. And I could see Nelson Mandela in his cell writing his book. I could see Huey. I could see Dostoevsky. I could see Victor Hugo, Emil Zola. <laughs> and they would say to me, Ruben, what you doing in there? And I say, hey, I know all you guys. It's magic, Lesbian. Mm, they sure don't teach that way up in Canada. Maybe you could tell me some books to read. I can do that. With these people in Canada or anywhere else, they can only teach you so much. It's up to you. It's your search. You gotta find out what's true for you, what is true for Lesra Martin. I never met nobody like you before. 
think I killed those people, son? No, no, I know you didn't. How you know? I just know. We let Lee Charles go first, the last episode, for better or worse. Um, worse. <laughs> <laughs> what did you like about Denzel Washington and the hurricane? Okay, you know that you know that thing that we were actually talking about with Kevin Spacey of there are certain actors that you are just taken care of. Mm-hmm. They start to go and you're like, I am on board. I am here with you. And wherever you are going, I'm following. And Denzel is one of those actors. Oh, God, I just thought his performance was unstoppable in this. You felt for him. You, yeah, I mean, through throughout the entire thing, it was like I was, I was rooting for him. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that and let you all go nuts at it. God, oh, the, go ahead. Are you, are you going through contractions right now? No, I'm trying to remember what the um, scene was. The, in the jailhouse with the glass between them and yes. he pushes the phone into the glass. Yes. Yes. Ruben, the law states we have to take our new evidence back to the original trial judge. And then if he turns us down, we go to the no. state appeals no, court. No, and- no, no, Listen to me. These people aren't going to just let that happen. They've made their careers on my case. What are you talking about? I'm talking about, about lawyers, prosecutors, judges who have moved up the ladder on my block back. We don't even know what enemies we have out there in the state. We got to take it out of New Jersey and we got to take it to the federal court. Ruben, if you go into federal court with new evidence that hasn't been heard in the state court, the judge is going to throw it out, okay? That is the law. Then we transcend the law. We, we, we get back to humanity. You said it yourself. You said if we take the new evidence before the federal judge, he's got to look at it before he throws it out, right? I believe that once he looks at it, he will have seen the truth. Having seen the truth, he can't turn his back on me. And what if you're wrong and he does turn away? Then what? Then you throw out all this evidence that everyone's fought so hard to get. And you know what, Ruben? You will never be able to mention it in a court of law again. It is finished. It's erased. It's as if it never happened. This evidence is the key to getting you out of here, and you'll be throwing it away, Ruben, when in a few more years... I don't have a few more years, Myron! Leon, help me out. I can't. I agree with Ruben. It's time to move on. Move on. What do you mean, move on? Move on where you're going to... Myron, we're never going to get anything there. We have to go federal. You can't take the risk of going federal with this. Listen to me. I've been locked up for 30 years. So this is, and I said at the top of the show that Kevin Spacey was my favorite actor and I cheered when he won for Verbal Kint in uh, The Usual Suspects. And when I was watching the Academy Awards this year and Kevin Spacey won, I went, oh, I don't know about that because of Denzel's in the hurricane and then fast forward to when he wins in training day and i had the same reaction because i was like i don't i think that was for the hurricane you know and they're just kind of giving it to him for training day he's so good denzel washington i absolutely agree with you emily i feel like you go and watch his movies and you just kind of trust that denzel is going to give you a performance that you can smile you know it's even even some of his 
worser movies like Fallen is still on my DVD shelf because Denzel in it playing against John Goodman. It's like I'm on board. I like Denzel so much that watching Black Klansman with his son, I kept hearing his voice through his sons and hearing his cadence and his mannerisms. And just I couldn't I was like, oh, Denzel, when he like his son's face was not on screen. And then I'll be like, no, it's not Denzel. It's his son. Just kind of try and focus on the movie that's in front of you going for like the hurricane versus everything else he he's emoting i don't know if his emoting uh upsets lee charles in this film but Mm -hmm. he's doing a good job of of getting into the story of a boxer who is who is jailed not for anything that he did and it's completely it's a boxing movie for people that don't like boxing movies i was on board the entire the entire movie i just want to point out i just want to out myself here i did not know that john david washington was denzel washington's son uh you not at all nope i had to look it up while watching Black Klansman because I was like, why do I keep thinking about Denzel Washington while I'm I'm hearing his performance? And I was like, oh my gosh. I think I enjoyed Black Klansman as much because I kept being taken out of the story because I kept thinking about Denzel Washington Mm -hmm, and how mm -hmm. I still need to see Fences because for some reason I haven't seen that film yet. Oh yeah, good. Yeah, and you gotta get get your shit together on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I watched that one because it was Viola and him together. I mean, the two of them. An August Wilson script. As a theater major, I, <laughs> I'm doing myself my degree a disservice by not checking out that film. There are a few performances that have stuck with me as long as Denzel's in this movie. And I haven't seen the movie too frequently. He, you mentioned this, he has this, he has this track record of being the best thing about any movie that he's in, whether it's a good movie like Malcolm X or Glory or Training Day or Cry Freedom. But then he, he is also the best thing in bad movies that he's in. And he's picked (laughs) some stink. He's picked some stinkers. Um, This is not a great movie, but his performance carries the entire thing. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Okay. I was wondering if I was about to step in, step in your flower beds again. I think it's a really pedestrian script. I think the characters are very one dimensional. It's so, it's simplified down to the down to a level of condescension at some parts. Um, but again, he playing Reuben Carter never short of mesmerizing. And I still remember sitting in the theater. I saw this one in the theater with my then girlfriend. The scene when Denzel is arguing with himself while in solitary. You can't break me because you didn't make me. You understand? Huh? So he's he's watching the childlike version of him cowering and crying, and then he's watching the violent, angry version of himself chastise and admonish the the cowering one. And he's trying to assuage the the version of him that is scared and cowering, and he's rebuking, angrily rebuking the violent one. I, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I remember I virtually turned to the the girl I was with. I was like, he just won the fucking Oscar right there. Like I, tears streaming down my face. The whole the whole scene ends with him just going shut up, and then he like buries his head in his pillow. I mean, fuck me, dude. Like yeah. So difficult to watch. And I was, I like you, when I, I started to see the writing on the wall as the night went on, I remember I worked that night. So I got back late, but I was kind of like keeping my eye on it because we had TVs at the grocery store that I worked at. And um, I was seeing American Beauty taking some of these awards. And I was like, man, 
Spacey already got his. I mean, Denzel, let's let's be real here. Denzel should have won Best Actor for Malcolm X. I mean, I, I, still, I still to this day have no fucking idea how he didn't. I believe that was 92. That was the year that Al Pacino won for Scent of a Woman. Also oh, against right. Robert Downing Jr. and Chaplin, Clint Eastwood, Unforgiven, and Stephen Rhea for The Crying Game. Right on. God, okay. really? Yeah, well, that was because in 72 and 74, they didn't give it to Huffman for either of the Godfathers. And in 73, they didn't give it to him for Serpico, which he should have gotten it for one of those three. So it was a we're sorry. We're sorry. And I the, the following year, the training day year, was also the year of Monsters Ball. And there was a palpable, almost felt like a PR move. There was like a palpable push for this, look how inclusive we are with African-Americans. Like I said, Halle Berry won that year. Denzel won that year. I think there were other black winners, but those were the two big showcase ones. And I remember they did like a retrospective of, of uh, black Americans in the throughout cinema. It felt really manufactured. Uh, and maybe that's just because I'm cynical and I don't trust most of what I see on television. But yeah, I felt the same way. Like when he won for training day, it's like, yeah, he was fucking badass. I mean, he is, <laughs> you give him an Oscar for any one of his movies and I'm going to tell you he deserved it. He won for training day over Russell Crowe, A Beautiful Mind, Sean Penn, I Am Sam, Will Smith for Ali and Tom Wilkinson for In the Bedroom. Man, Will Smith and Ali. When was the last time you saw that movie? That movie is fucking great. That's like, you know, I have not seen it in a while. That's it's fucking and the, really And good. what he put himself through to be Ali. Like that was just, yeah, when he won for Training Day, even nominated, like Training Day was not one of my favorite films. It just seemed kind of. No, it's, it's it really comic booky. Yeah, it's it really very Save the Cat. Like it just. And it's it also does that same thing too, where it's like the black neighborhoods are troubled. Who's going to save it? White guy with goatee. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. With Thurman's mm -hmm. husband. <laughs> <laughs> Even though in the end, he doesn't really save it and the whole neighborhood turns on um, Alonzo. King yeah. Kong! Whole, oh, dude. Oh, you motherfucker! <laughs> Shot me in the ass! In prep for this, I just started going down like a YouTube rabbit hole. I highly recommend, I mean, obviously every time he goes on a press junket, his movies are... Very culturally, they're cultural touchstones for the black community. Movies like Fences, movies like Training Day, Glory, Malcolm X. So he constantly gets asked these questions. And his answers are really, they're very American. He, he gives such great answers. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Hmm. Uh, so what do you do? That's a great question. <laughs> what is the long-term effect of too much information? One of the effects is the need to be first, not even to be true anymore. So what a responsibility you all have to be, to tell the truth, not just to be first, but to tell the truth. We live in a society now where it's just first. Who cares? Get it out there. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care who we destroy. We don't care if it's true. Just say it. Sell it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at, Inclu including BS. I don't want to poach his words, but you should you should watch some of them if you get a moment. I have two questions. The first one is, what would you say Denzel Washington's, well, I guess you guys kind of said Malcolm X would be his best performance, you would think, over mm. Glory, over... That's really tough to say. Like, if I had to, like, qualify it, I would need to do a a, a better rundown, like, rewatch all of them to really set that up. Because also his performance in Glory is just phenomenal. The birth of the single Denzel tear rolling down the chair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember as a kid being like, how the fuck do you do that? <laughs> 
Absolutely. My second question is, I think I started the show saying that Seven was my favorite movie of all time until Kevin Spacey became a, a pedophile or was well, outed as a pedophile. always was, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, outed as a pedophile. On my short list of my favorite movies, and I was always proud to say Seven because nobody really ever argued with it, but I feel like I'm going to retire it. And because we're doing like the Denzel Washington episode. Bro, I'm gonna, you're uh, retiring it? I'm retiring it. And I think I'm going to elevate. I can't elevate number two, which is Fight Club, because Fight Club has parts in it where I kind of zone out. Um, and I don't like it when they get into Project Mayhem. Like I like Fight Club, Project Mayhem. It's kind of lost on me. Did the same in the book. So I think I'm going to elevate number three, which is Man on Fire. Do you think people would be on board with that? Like if I said Man on Fire was my favorite movie, because Denzel's Washington's performance with Dakota Fanning in it. People would be on. People love that movie. People would be on board. Okay. That's, that's a that's a well-loved movie. I've okay. never seen Man on Fire. <gasps> it's the, you it's, son it's, of a bitch. I think it's one of Tony Scott's best directed films. All I right, listened. No, I'll give it a look. Did you guys see Unstoppable, the one with Chris Pine and him? Oh, yeah. No. I, I need to see that one because that was one of Tony Scott's final ones, wasn't it? Yeah, before he jumped off the bridge. Mm-hmm. But Crimson Tide with Denzel versus Gene Hackman. Ooh, I forgot about that one. Oh, uh, Crimson Tide. Now that, yeah. Forgot about that one. Yeah, really. Any The only performance of Denzel where he couldn't really capture the movie for me was John Q. That was one of the ones I was thinking of where I was like, he's picked some stinkers. How about The Preacher's Wife? I don't think that movie was made for me. <laughs> It was 1996. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen it since, so maybe I can revisit it. Did you ever see Cry Freedom with Kevin Klein and him, directed by Richard Attenborough? That was God, like, I yeah, did. that was like Chicago Hope days. I was, I was probably like 14 at the time, but I went on like a super Denzel kick and rented that one from Blockbuster. I mean, it's about South African politics, I believe. And I remember being really impressed with it, but not super duper knowing what was going on. That's one that I think I should revisit. I love Denzel. And if you haven't seen Fences, that's as well directed as as ordinary people to call back to another one of our episodes. I mean, his Denzel's direction is is spectacular in that movie. Do you know what his next film is? I don't. Joel Cohen is uh, directing Macbeth and Denzel is Macbeth. And that's is Francis McDormand is Lady Macbeth. Oh, Jesus Christ. This give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) I just got shivers. Oh, man. That was Brendan Gleeson is King Duncan. Nice, dude. God, I hope we get off. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember that was the first Shakespeare play that I really liked in uh, in high school. That was like because I I was sitting there like biting my nails like stop doing what you're doing. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you doing these things? Don't listen to her. This one, this one's tough just because I saw straight story this morning, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, the man is a, he's a career best actor. I can't think of a, of a performance that he gave. You know, what's a good one that we didn't bring up is he got game, which if you've never seen, should check that one out. Well, I that feel like a, our audience will get like super crazy if we don't even mention, remember the Titans. Right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. It's a little saccharin for my blood, but I mean, he's great in it. You don't like remember the Titans? <sighs> I'd like to forget the Titans. You know, it's good that, you know, like (laughs) your opinion needs to be heard because I don't think many people have it. I mean, Philadelphia, he was great in, wasn't, that was Tom Hanks completely deserved for that. Yeah, but I would make the case that Denzel's performance was better and a better character because. Really? Well, Tom Hanks is the same the whole movie. He's. Oh, I disagree. (laughs) His character, Andrew, doesn't really change 
He's a static character, whereas Denzel Washington changes as the movie evolves. See, I disagree with you on that. Well, how does Tom Hanks' character, how does Andrew change in in Philadelphia? I mean, I'd have to give it like a, a rewatch, but I mean, just his journey as far as being, as far as seeing his own demise, but also seeing his- Facing seeing down the, death. Yeah, yeah. The scene that he won Best Actor for is the opera scene. Oh, sure. And the lighting- Tom Hanks is a whole other discussion because I don't think he deserved it for 93 or 94. What? That's right. I said it. Fuck for <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, so that you're just playing wrong about. Two words for you. Morgan motherfucking Freeman for Shawshank Redemption. That was like 12 words, but. I hear you. I still disagree with you. Well, you've been wrong before. <laughs> So I think it's nice that we all agree. I'd like that we gave out a, a shout out to Richard Farnsworth's performance in The Straight Story. And it is now currently on Disney Plus, if anybody yeah. wants to stream it. So everybody can look at that performance. The Hurricane, I think we all agree, not the greatest movie, but Denzel Washington's performance is mesmerizing in it. And it deserves to be put above Kevin Spacey now in the, the halls of the Dolby Theater. Kevin Spacey, for what it's worth now, the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office stated in April of 2018 that would investigate an allegation that Spacey had sexually assaulted an adult male in 1992. In July of 2018, three more allegations of sexual assault against Spacey were revealed by Scotland Yard, bringing the total number of open investigations in the United Kingdom to six. In September of 2018, a lawsuit filed at Los Angeles Superior Court claimed that Spacey sexually assaulted an unnamed monsieur at a house in Malibu, California in October 2016. So currently, the allegations against Kevin Spacey continuing to rise and his fall from grace started with being dropped from the critically acclaimed Netflix series House of Cards. He was publicly and shamefully recast in Ridley Scott's All the Money in the World by Christopher Plummer. His Gore Vidal biopic was dropped by Netflix, who severed all contact with him. He was dropped by his publicists, he was dropped by his agents, and he was canceled to be honored for the 2017 International Emmy Founders Award by the IATAS. So everybody has pretty much severed all contact with Kevin Spacey, and we will probably only hear from him when he drops really awkward videos on his Twitter feed. I thought you were going to say, or when he drops dead. Or when he drops dead. I mean, I will say watching Outbreak again during uh, the pandemic made his death scene a lot easier to, uh, to digest. And that's what I like about Seven. He gets shot repeatedly by Brad Pitt, who was one of the only people to stand up to Harvey Weinstein. So at long last, we've come to the end. Thank you, listeners, if you are still still with us. Thank you to Emily for joining us again. Thank hey. you to <laughs> thank you to Spro for being the the director, the orchestrator, and the father on this proud Father's Day of our humble little humble little podcast. We did it, gang. There needed no compromise to be made today. All three of us agreed upon the truest best actor. And might I add, even prior to the allegations, it sounds as though we all felt Denzel deserved it. Mm -hmm. So here's to Denzel. And Kevin, if you're out there, eat shit and die. (laughs) Here comes the story of the hurricane. The man the authorities came to play for something that he never done. But what time he could have been the champion of the world
Thank you for listening to this episode of Spro and Lee Take on the Academy. All the film snippets you heard are from great films, which we urge you to check out. And while you're waiting for the next episode, waiting, waiting on bated breath, please check us out on Instagram at Take on the Academy. Or if you're old like us, still on Facebook, we have a little group on there. And during that two-week interim, uh, you'll see our social media coordinator sharing some supplementary pics and videos that we think will enhance the experience of each episode. So give us a like, a subscribe, a follow, a back rub, whatever it is and i am super excited because monday november 9th i finally get to make my case for something that has been bothering me since 2017 and that's the best actress award that was given out to somebody that did not deserve it is the recipient of this award resemble at all uh, a cat i guess (laughs) it's emma stone right yeah it's emma stone being emma stone from la la land We'll get into it in two weeks, but I this I mean this conversation right now is making my blood boil. So if you liked how fed up I got with the up episode, return November 9th and you will see a side of me that just needs to be contained. City of Spro. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that doesn't that phrase does not come out of your mouth very frequently. You know that Spro means business. Yeah, so November 9th. Thanks for listening to this one. Hope we see you in the next one. And until then, guys, stream. Him and other Dexter Bradley were just out prowling around. He said, I saw two men running out who looked like middleweights. Jumped into a white car with out-of-state plates. And Miss Patty Valentine just nodded her head.